Hello Internet and good whatever time of day it is to you. Uh, welcome back once again to Nerd vs World. This is episode number 11 of the Nerdinomicon. Uh, it's a slightly different show for you this week from normal. Uh, this is the uh, edited highlights of a lovely conversation that uh, my wife, my daughter and I had with the uh, wonderful Robert and Reagan Rankin who uh, kindly gave up a couple of hours of their Saturday evening uh, to come and talk to us in a pub in Brighton while we were down there for the weekend. Uh, so yes, I hope you enjoy and I will speak to you on the other side. Welcome to where we're in the Crown and Anchor pub in Brighton uh, and there's myself Spindles, uh, there's Mr Robert Rankin Hello And there's my daughter Megan Hi And my oh, wife Emma no, not no. her <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, thank you for coming and doing this, very very kind of you taking some time out My pleasure what do we want to talk about? Well, absolutely anything. As a, no, the thing is that the podcast, the podcast started out as just kind of me and my friend Aidy. We decided we were going to just sit and record us drinking beer and talking in our living room. Yes, many, many years ago when I lived in Henfield, I had a friend Piers. Piers and I used to, we used to get, I believe, the expression of stoned. And we used to um, have a very good time. And uh, we used to sit around my house and I had a tape recorder that recorded all manner of things. Probably a clever mic like that as well. You really don't want to play them back It's just chipperish. It's just... Well, is it, yeah. it made sense at the time. Well, yeah, it was very wise. There were things I thought, there'd be such great inspiration for books. Brilliant ideas. It's just two drunks. Yeah. We did kind of get that at one point, because uh, just as we were celebrating it in the show on Stitcher, uh, we decided to get loads of people in. We had like about 16 people in one room, lots of alcohol and one microphone. Yeah. And that didn't work. No. no, no. I've still got some of those tapes. <laughs> and the, the best ones are where you decide, all sing a song you know so well. <laughs> I hadn't, I, I, we sung Gene Pitney's 24 Hours from Tulsa, and I had no understanding that it had quite so many swear words in it when Gene sung it. <laughs> Is that a hey, for our song. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I, I did one not so long ago because I do, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I do make sure I write that down. And um, it said, on this piece of paper it said, if you ever want to know whether it's a good woman, ask her two questions. What's the she? No, one question. What does she prefer? Smiling for Jesus or bloodshed in Switzerland? <laughs> okay. But it didn't say what the answer was. Oh, apparently so. Apparently, I was talking about hover bikes and things in my sleep. So I'm not. I woke up this morning to get a message on Facebook going. WTF just had a massive conversation with you about flying and hover bikes. <laughs> that was me. You must be thinking ahead of yourself. Anyway, what Megan would be most interested in asking. Oh, right. Is, so when is our summer party? Oh, well, it's, I'm, it's gone off to the printers and um, it's much better than Empires. Empires was a little bit, um, not as good as it could have been. I 
Well, all the different planets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is, it's 50 pages of writing and 50 full-size illustrations. And uh, it was something I wanted to do for a long time. And it, we've done it, and it's gone off to the printers in Lithuania. Last year, when we did Empires, an enormous lorry, because we only live around the corner of a little side street, an enormous lorry came up our street. And uh, we went, oh, look, it's got Lithuania written on the side. I bet it's the delivery. And a man got down and he looked at the house and he knocked on the door and he said, you are not a shop. And I said, <laughs> no, I have a thousand books on the pallet. And I said, oh, good. And then we went and we looked and every box only had 15 books in it. So that was quite a big pallet. One by one, we took them it's into the house. Into house. It's quite a lot. It went up the walls. <laughs> so... It's coming out, it's gone off to the printers in Lithuania, and I'm told it'll be back at the end of this month. Now, if you come to the London Film and Comic Con at the beginning of July, I shall be selling them there. But if you've got to buy them through the internet thing on my Facebook, after the London Film and Comic Con, we're going on our holidays for a couple of weeks. So I can't take any orders for a couple of weeks till I get back. Because last time we did sell an awful lot through the Facebook page, you know. Yeah, it's almost done. We're almost done. And there were only 999 of them. Yeah, one of them was upside down, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I got about 10 left out. I mean, I was really impressed because when they did arrive, we went. the first thing we did, we went off to this thing somebody invited us to in Eastbourne. And we sold eight copies. And we still had that left 992 piled up in the hall. I was a little bit worried about that. And then... But... But we had sold them all before the year was up. With Alice, we're doing 3,000 copies. I've ordered 1,500, which would be a lot more piled up in the hall, wouldn't it? <laughs> and uh, I hope I can sell them. Because sure <laughs> then they're going to finance <laughs> the next book I do. We send finances to the next book I do. But you will, I think you'll like it. It's, it's much better than Empires. You're going to end up with 2,000 people that don't have Empires. You might have to reprint Empires. <laughs> Well, is, is Empires available online, or is it...? No, no, no. it's all sold out. No, yeah. No, no, I mean as a, as a kind of webcomic. Oh, yes, thing. it is. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is, on yeah, Beyond yeah. Reality Media. Beyond yeah. Reality Media. And they will be doing Alice, and they'll be doing a, a full-colour version of that. What I'm doing is, as soon as I've got Alice, I'm going to send it off to a few publishers and say, are you interested in publishing it in about a year's time in colour? You know, if you are, because we've got the colour version and all that. Um, the way things are with publishers... I probably won't find a publisher. They are where the world is getting much more interesting because yes. you can produce your own book yeah. to quality of publishing and produce any and people are producing wonderful, wonderful things. The publishers themselves are getting less and less imaginative and they're saying no, yeah. no, 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 no. You know, and you come up with things and you think they love that and they go. Wouldn't touch that. You know. There's so many fewer outlets to sell books through. I know you've got you've got Amazon, which is yeah. fantastic and yeah. huge, and, and through that, lots and lots of second-hand bookstores and very little enterprises can sell books to a much wider audience. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got the vast majority of books go through um, go through Tesco's 
mean, yeah. they only yeah, stock they do. Yeah. the top, no, the top yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that completely cuts down their options, and yeah. even WH Smiths doesn't really sell us a wide selection. Yeah. But you know, you used to get all, you know, all um, HMB used to have its own yeah. set of books, which was slightly yeah. more imaginative. It did, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd I also cherry pick the interesting books, I remember, because yeah. once in a while they'd cherry pick mine. I was ever so chapter I was in HMB, I thought it was cool. Well, that, that, that's the place to sell books. It's like, uh, I think I remember with the uh, the music chart, it used to be if you got your, uh, your single into Woolworths, you were made. Because there was a Woolworths on every high street, and that's where everyone bought yeah. their music. Yeah. So if you got your yeah. music into Woolworths, then you were yeah. going to sell it. Well, within two or three years, there won't be any Waterstones left. Waterstones is losing money yeah. because of the Amazon. You know. Well, I mean, we've already seen the death yeah. of Borders. Yeah, but, but Waterstones, Waterstones is actually running at a loss at yeah. the moment, and they keep it on the high street. But that's, there's just such a huge change in publishing. I mean, when also with, with Kindle, the fact that anybody and put their book up as a Kindle edition, give it away for 50 pence if they want, and it might get an interesting following, networking, viral thing, and suddenly it's like 50 shades of grey, isn't it? You know, that never went to a publisher. It was on, on yeah. put, somebody put it up there thinking they'd never get a publisher for it. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, fiction. Yeah. <laughs> you had to change the names from Bella and Edward to whatever they are. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, apparently, it was originally Twilight fanfic, apparently, oh. and then they changed the names. <laughs> yeah. well, but the whole face is changing in a publisher. Yeah. Well, she's in. She's in a book, a novel I wrote, which is called The Mechanical Messiah. She's she's the one of the heroes in that book that came out, I think, last yeah, year. Yeah, we've got that book if you want to read it. One, yeah. And she's in the book I'm writing at the moment, uh, The Abominable Showman. And that's oh. the one I'm writing at the moment. Yeah, and, um, I heard you writing about Barry's coming back. Barry is, yeah, because I had to... I, I, was, I, it's, I wrote the four sort of Victorian books, and... Uh, then I got a contract with a new publisher because I fell out with my publisher. And I thought, periodically I will fall out. <laughs> periodically I'll, periodically they'll throw me out, you know. Yes, yes. So it was a bit 50 50, and you know, <laughs> I walked away in, in a huff. So I'm not working with you anymore. And then came home and went, oh God, what have I done? And then I thought, no, that's actually nonsense. I could phone up another publisher and get another deal. And I phoned up this guy and I said, would you publish me if I was available? And he said, um, let me get back to you, I'll talk to my partner. And I thought, well, yeah, probably been a month or so. And he phoned me back in half an hour and he said, um, how much do you want? And when can you start? And I said, well, so much. And he said, I'll get back to you. And then he phoned me back half an hour later, I'll send you a contract. I, thought, I said, is that all you want? And he said, well, yeah, okay, that's all I want. You know? And I had this enormous discussion with my publisher at the time about what they wanted. And they wanted spin-offs. Uh, they decided that the, the future of publishing in, in science fiction was going to be this year, this year I mean now, fairies. It was going to be fairy stories with a hard edge because it already had Grimm yeah. last year. Animals for a time. And that, and, and they also Snow then. White and the yeah. And, yeah. and, and Hansel, the Hansel Gretel. and Gretel, right? Yeah, yeah. So, with the vast imagination that some publishers have, they said, all we want from anybody now is fairy tales with a hard edge. And I said, I don't do that. I don't, that's, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. And I'm, I, you know, so. so but anyway, we had a bit of a discussion, and I said, well, I'll buy then. <laughs> And, and things like that. They started being their own section in Waterstones, which was called Horror 
romance, romance horror or something. Oh yeah, just, urban yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that was all these kind of Twilight books. So I imagine now they've looked at that and they're thinking, well, fairy is going to be a. Oh yeah, a because romantic. I mean they've done vampires and they've done zombies and they've done them to death. I mean, you know, do you really want one more vampire book and one more zombie book? I mean, no, right, we can put up probably with one more zombie movie if it's funny, like Cockneys versus Zombies, which was, was hilarious. Movie. I watched that <laughs> you know. uh, late at night one night. I think Emma was downstairs and I was just yeah. upstairs trying to go to sleep, and I was like, "Well, let's put that on." It I couldn't just, go to sleep. It was fantastic. It was Cockneys versus Zombies. Genius. It was brilliant. It was, it was a very good one. But I mean, other than that, you know, do I want Evil Dead thirty-seven or whatever? Well, they've reset it now. It's Evil Dead One. Oh, oh, this is the this is the one with the, uh, with what's his name in it? What's his name? Evil Dead. Yeah, who's uh, what's his name? I, I don't know who's in it. I've, I've, the I've the famous actor who does it. The, well, there's Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Normal Bruce Campbell. Evil yeah, Dead. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it. But that's supposed to be very good, isn't it? Uh, well, I've not seen the remake because oh, I was, right. I'm very much in the camp. Of why bother remaking yeah. it? Because the originals yeah. were brilliant. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell's a genius. That's all. Yeah. They, 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 people want dead certs, they don't want to take yeah. They remade Gone with the Wind, didn't they, a few years ago? Did they? they just thought, <laughs> dear God, no, that one, that one, that one snuck by. I know. <laughs> it's unforgivable, isn't it? <laughs> we did watch the We did finally get around to watching The Amazing oh, Spider-Man the other day. Yes, because yes, that was a different Spider-Man, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a different, different movie. There's a new Superman movie. Well, it, it, yeah. it's all following the, the trend that uh, America don't have good enough actors, they have to import British ones, because Spider-Man is British, and the new Superman, all-American hero, is British. That's quite interesting. <laughs> oh, you know, Britons were only allowed to play villains. Apparently, we used to be, yeah, with the yeah, Alan Rickmans and Gary Oldmans yeah. of the world. They didn't want to offend black people, they didn't want to offend the Arabs too much, and they didn't, never offend the Jews. So, yeah, who can be villains? English. Oh, we can offend the Limeys. <laughs> they say, oh, that's all great, we'll get paid a fortune, thank you very much, we will be your villain. <laughs> it probably starts, I was watching this uh, documentary this afternoon about Alec Guinness. And, you know, and I didn't know whether it was true, this business of him taking 2% of the Star Wars thing, you know, but it is true, yeah, got two is, and a yeah. quarter percent or something. That was and, all that persuaded him yeah, to do it. Yeah, and it was, you know, it, George Lucas at that time thought that it was Alec Guinness that was going to sell the movie, mm. you know, and so he'd cut him in for a share of the profits, you know. Yeah. Alec, just, yeah, it was wonderful because he said, and Alec Guinness never worked again, <laughs> except <laughs> once in a while when he felt like it. <laughs> just, oh, yes, absolutely. It's like, oh, that was a good move. Well, no, no. With, with Star Wars, it was George Lucas kept the merchandising rights. Yeah. That was that was the key thing. And yeah. then the Star Wars toys went absolutely yeah. berserk. Yeah. And that's where he made an absolute fortune was through yeah. the merchandising. And now he's made another fortune selling it all. Well, now he's sold the whole job lot to Disney. Yeah. But I got um, well, back a couple of years ago. I had my friend, the guy who financed um, Empires, he. Uh, he said, oh, I've got a contact in, um, in Los Angeles who might be interested in one of your um, books and you know, making a movie out of it. And I thought, oh, God, I've heard that a million what times. options on, on... Yeah, yeah this yeah, was yeah. Look, Sex and Drugs and Sausage Rolls. All right. So anyway, then he phones me up and he says, oh, there'll be a contract in the post. I said, contract? I said, no, I've never got as far as that. I said, I've heard some talk, but contract, wow. So a 17-page contract arrives. I read it and I thought, well, I'm 
no idea what language that's written in. I mean, that's, it is English, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but I, mean, I don't want. I think it I says stuff. Single paragraph <laughs> means. So I've got a friend who's a, a TV director, and I said, if I send you this contract, you, you, you've written out a few and you've had a few, so you'll know what it means. Well, I'll know what it means. Yeah, you send it to me. So he goes, he about 24 hours later, he phones me back and he goes, is this a joke? I said, what? He said, no, really. He said, this is a wind-up, isn't it? He said, this isn't a real contract. I said, it's a real contract. I'm like, no. I said, no, it's real. So said, I'll get back to you, he said. Anyway, he got back to me a couple of days later. And he said, right, he said, what you got there is you've got a 17-page contract. He said, 16 and a half pages, take away everything you own for nothing. They, they take away the rights to your own characters. They don't allow you to write another book with those characters in. They take away any rights you have if anything was turned into a stage play, a musical, a TV show, all of that. I said, do I get anything? He said, there's one paragraph, he said, which says, you get paid X amount of money on as the, when the film gets made. And I said, oh, I said, how much money do I get? He said, well, you don't get anything. I said, well, he just told me I got some money. He said, well, you get X amount of money on certain conditions, he said. And every one of those conditions, he said, they're perfectly able to use as an excuse for not giving money. So I said, we've got 17 pages and I don't get a penny. No, but you do give away basically your rights to everything. I said, it's unbelievable. Insane. So I got back onto these people and I said this to them. I said, I can't sign this contract. I said, I can sign this contract if you give me a share of this, share of that, blah, 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 blah. And they literally went... Next, please. Dear yeah. God. So I didn't get a Hollywood movie. No. <laughs> Can you imagine if they'd made it and it had been successful? I'd have shot myself. <laughs> I've just given it all away. <laughs> yes, every penny. <laughs> oh, all, and all the, all the marks. Merchandising rights, <laughs> all that. They were all covered. You know. like, what do you mean you're suing me for wearing a t shirt of my own film? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been a go, would it? No. But you haven't had a movie, but you have had a radio play. In fact, you've had it with two now, isn't it? Because you had Brighton no, Just the one. He can't get the money up for another no? one. No? No, uh, the, no. The BBC won't pay him. They won't, they won't finance it, and they won't say you will definitely have it if you make it yourself, because the BBC are in the position of saying, well, look, at any one time, we are dozens and dozens of sound producers are coming up to us, and they're saying, here's a programme, here's a programme, here's a programme, so they can cherry pick what they want. Mm. The guy who made it, Neil Gardner, every time he goes to the BBC, he takes about 20 projects. Mm. And then they go, Yes, no, yes, no, maybe. Mm. Make that one and we'll see. He works very, very hard and earns very, very little money. But it's a great shame. I doubt if it'll get made. Um, The guy who wrote it said he's prepared to finance it um, because he's sort of, you know, privately wealthy, really. Yeah. But, you know, if he does he may never get his money back. And more than that, it's still may never get on the radio. You know, yeah. um, nothing is guaranteed anymore, which is another reason that I'm involved in sort of doing it myself now. Yeah. You know, I've got one more book to write. Thank you so much. I'd like to put on the podcast. Is that still working? Yeah, it's still working. Yeah. I'd put on the podcast. This is my second free drink for doing this show. <laughs> we like to keep says, our guests. I was never treated alcohol. like this at the BBC. <laughs> I was once in a BBC green room and had lemonade and orange juice. 
And I said, where's the alcohol? And they said, oh, no, it's all a big health kick now. I said, not with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do seem to be doing a lot more of the kind of audio books. Because I know that, that historically speaking, they did stuff like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah, and they made yeah. them into excellent pr yeah, productions absolutely. and hitchhikers and stuff like that. And I mean, recently it seemed to me that they were doing a resurgence because they did Brightonomicon, uh, and then there was. Um, they've got a load of Pratchett stuff, haven't they? Yeah, yeah and Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere oh, yeah, just yeah, got yeah. done recently yeah. as well. Neverwhere was massive. Cast. It was, yeah, because it was Benedict Cumberbatch and James McAvoy and people like that. They'd already done it on telly, haven't they? Uh, well, yeah, it was done on telly in the 90s, and that, oh, was, oh, that, was, that, long ago? that was a classic BBC production of The Beast of London is a cow with some plastic horns stuck on it. <laughs> I watched so only a little bit of it, and it was so cheap and nasty, I couldn't really watch it anymore. <laughs> but the moral of my attitude was, well, at least Neil Gaiman's making some money. <laughs> I'm good with that. Man's a god. Give him some more money. Well, he, uh, speaking of, his Doctor Who will be on right now. Oh. I'll have to watch it on iPlayer later. Maybe. I watched the Mark Gattis one last that night. That was really that good. Such <laughs> He really has good fun doing those, doesn't he? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking I forward to the it. Adventures in Space and Time, because he's doing, it's like a biopic for the, uh, the 50th anniversary. Oh. So they've got the guy who played Filch in Harry Potter. He's playing William Hartnell. Oh. In that's just the story of how Doctor Who came oh. about. And that's, that's written by Mark Gattis. Oh, there was people about the last episode of Doctor Who saying, are they going to make it into a kids TV series? It's always been a kids, kids TV series. Said, oh, I'm not looking forward to the next one because there's a load of kids going into the TARDIS. It's like, well, it's a new game in episode. How can it go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that my life? No. I don't know. It's really like, it somebody interesting with an yeah. interesting hat. Yeah, it did. Yeah, like a top hat with goggles on. Maybe we had Brian Steampunks coming in. Well, we've got... Uh, Professor Elementals on tonight because we're going to see him later on. He's, oh, he's on he? uh, the Marlborough Little Theatre. Oh, is he? Is yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, so we're going to see him tonight. So, uh, 16 plus gig. Yeah. Do you think she looks old enough? I think that is my wife. It is my wife. She's hanging out. She's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out in the corridor. No, no, I don't think so. No, but there, you see, in the series of books that I wrote, I based it on H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, right? And uh, which was written in, what, 1880-something or uh, other? Yeah, 1880. So he wrote, I mean, H.G. Wells really wrote some of the first science fiction books that, of the modern age. And uh, he was the first person to really write about an invasion from Mars. And uh, at the end of that, book. All the Martians get killed by earthly bacteria. By sneezes. Yes. Yeah, by colds. <laughs> they can't stand up. They have no immunity. Um, but I just thought, well, hang on, at the end of this, all those spaceships are going to be lying around all over England and nowhere else. Yeah. So we have this Martian spaceships. So the next move was to put a few rather ill people in them and send one back to Mars, wasn't it? <laughs> to kill all the Martians off. That's it. So and then suddenly we were in charge of you know, Mars and England. And at that time, you see, then you find out that there are other planets, that there are people living on Venus and, and Jupiter, isn't there? And so I like the idea that then all the planets then become friends because the evil Martians, the horrible ones, we've killed them. So the rest of the planets like us. So yes, you, you sneezing is a defence system for the Earth. It's all good. It's clever stuff, isn't it? You know. I mean, he wrote the definitive science fiction book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, once you've done aliens invade Earth, 
Well, he's done it, hasn't he? I mean, it's been done there. Well, Megan, as part of your continuing education, we have the collected works of H.G. Wells at home, so you can start making your way through those. Yeah, do that. I wouldn't do the collected works of Edgar Allan Poe yet, though. So I wish not we... quite yet. I'm, I'm, I'm save, not ready yet. We'll save Lovecraft for a bit after yeah. that as well. <laughs> We do have the we, we do have a, a giant book of fear that Mummy bought me for our anniversary. A giant one book year. of fear. Yeah, that's what we call it. Oh, well, I had a question. At which point did you come up with amazing names for your books? Because you said earlier about the Abominable Showman, and then you got like, they come out. They come out of the blue, right? That one, I was reading something in um, Fortune Times, and I simply read the Abominable Snowman as the Rumble Showman, and went, oh, that's good, that, that's really clear. Actually, that isn't what they wrote. And, but it was, it's always things like that. Um, that. I wrote a book called They Came and Ate Us, because my wife at the time said, oh, you write these books with these stupid titles, and like, They Came and Ate Us. And I said, that's a great title! I said, oh, that's like, wait a minute, I'm going to write this down, it's gold. <laughs> that I thought well, this has got to be brilliant. They're, oh, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> you are easily led. Of course, she married me. <laughs> the best title, and I don't think it can be topped, if you have a three-word title that makes people laugh, and I wrote Armageddon, the musical. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and after I'd written it, I thought, I can't beat that. You know, that, you know, that is as bad as ludicrous it gets. Hey, it's Armageddon, the musical. Yeah, no, that was the first book of yours I bought. Ah. Uh-huh. It's all right, I can hear you. No, you're, you're, you're the interviewer. Oh, okay, sorry, I'm the man. interviewer. Yes, I'm, I'm just a... You just sit here and watch us drink. Right oh, is it, is it going? It is, it's going, yeah, sorry. It is, yeah, you can be here. Yeah, conversation. And everything stopped for beer. <laughs> yes, the titles just, they, they were the same as the ideas. Um, if it's what you do for a living, you're always on the lookout, aren't you? You know, you're, you know, um, I remember when we came up with the idea of the book, um, the Brentford Chainstorm Massacre. <laughs> that's, that's one and, of my favourites. And uh, I was in Dublin at, at Opticon with a friend of mine, Stephen Malone, who became Dr. Stephen Malone in the book because it was, and I dedicated the book to him, I think. And uh, we, there was a, a, an author's party thing, but we weren't invited to it. So he said, well, we sh- you should be an author. I said, well, you can't get in this. Ah, oh, we can get in there. So we sneaked into this author party and we got very drunk at their expense. We had a jolly good time. And we were saying, well, bad ideas, bad ideas. I was saying, what's the worst idea you could come up with in the 20th century? There must be a really terribly, appallingly bad idea. And I think, they must have seen Jurassic Park because we started about cloning. We'd clone this and we'd clone that and we'd clone something else. And then he suddenly went, Oh, we'd clone Jesus. Oh, we'd get the Turin Shroud and we'd clone Jesus. And I said, Oh, it's a work of genius. I said, No, it's even better. We'll clone six Jesuses. I said, All the religions can have one each. You know, we'd get one off the Turin Shroud, one off the, off the staff, one off the nails of the true cross. I said, Brilliant. You know. And then I said, That's a book, isn't it? <laughs> I said, Oh, well, that's the next book, isn't it? So, I mean, it was, it was magic. Oh, friend of mine. <laughs> I mean, when I wrote uh, Knees Up Mother Earth, a friend of mine, we were like, having a chat, I said, why have you never written a Brentford book about football? they got a football club. I said, well, have I never written a Brentford book about football? He said, okay, lovely, Brentford win the FA Cup. There's a book. It's so easy, isn't it? Anybody can be a writer. <laughs>
<laughs> Piece of cake. And everybody is. And everybody is. Thanks to Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had the anyone can publish Kindle. Or Just a little yeah. crowded on Kindle. <laughs> So oh, it's, a, it's a book, isn't it? Book. I mean, they're, they're fabulous. What are the ones you're on? The uh, Lady Bix. Oh, oh, the Lady Bix for writing it. Turn my husband into a... That's um, <laughs> that really expensive scarf lead thing that oh, allows you to travel like through time. It's like a million pounds for a scarf It makes you travel through time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People have started on Amazon. You know how Amazon has reviews for, for books and everything else? Well, they also sell things on Amazon like biros and all this sort of thing. So people started putting up humorous reviews, and it became a kind of big... Everyone was competing. There was one for the toys of, of the Olympic Games, oh, the silly little thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Yeah. And there was one that was like a policeman, and it said, beware of this one, it'll kettle all the rest. <laughs> Magic, that's not it. Will you other books? Will you see any other planets? Uh, in the, oh, actually, that's a very good point, because in the one I'm writing at the moment, which is set with the people from the other planets, I haven't really got hardly anybody from the other planets in it, actually, so I have to put that up the top. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I'll put them in tomorrow. The protagonist to have a little chum, a little, maybe a little girl chum. Sticker and I'll give you a small mention all right, in the next book. Because <laughs> you gave me that idea, because I had, I had forgotten that. Actually. Yeah. Because we said earlier about the, that we used to run pubs, and this is because uh, we read a lot of your books while, while we were doing that, and, and it always made me kind of look at all our regulars in a very, very different way. <laughs> Honestly, oh, you've no idea what it's like, because, because you see the same people all day, every day. They, they come in when you open at 11, and yeah. they leave at yeah, midnight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean... It's so believable, those characters that they do sit in the pub all day. I mean, I have to ask, did you sit in the pub all day and just watch people? It looks um, like you did. I think I just spent an awful lot of time of my life in pubs. And for years and years and years, I had nowhere to write at home. And the pub right. And on all the first sort of 10, probably 20 books were written in the pub. And as long as I could find a pub with no music, and usually a pub with no music is also a pub with no violence. Yes. You know, now music brings on the violence, doesn't it? A pub with no TV generally is a good no one. No TV as well is a good one. And I could always generally find a pub that was like that and sit in it and write. But yeah, so you would watch them day after day after day, which is why so much action in my books or inaction happens in the pubs because. I mean, it is absolutely show you about that what you know, don't you? And this was yeah. mentioned in a recent review as. Uh, your books are now maybe a little inappropriate, considering we now frown on all day drinking. It's why. Sort of a, it's one of the reasons yeah. that Graham Fellows said. All day drinking. It, it, it was mentioned in a review that they yeah. spent an inordinate amount of time sitting oh, yeah. in pubs. Well, Graham said there was a number of things, you know. Yeah. Um, that they're very. Uh, Hollywood is very, very careful about the amount of drinking that goes yeah. on in any movie. But not the and violence or the. No, no that, that's fine, but it, it's know, really important fine, yeah. whether the yeah. main character smokes or not. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, a, a, a bad, bad person smokes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. The great one is, is Buffy. 
um, from moralistic. Ah, this, this is a Whedon one, isn't so, it? Yeah. Uh, so what, what happens when well, he sleeps with Angel underage? Well, Angel turns into an evil vampire and starts smoking. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what evil people do. You know, because she did a bad moral thing. She all of a sudden he becomes evil and he smokes. You missed that again, episode. Again, when she... Oh, it was the end, end of season one, was it, I think? Of, uh, yeah, when, when Buffy and Angel sleep together and Angel turns into Angelus for the first time. But you know and, then, sort of oh. and then when she turned into... When she drank underage... And she turned into, into Cave Buffy. Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw this Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know also... So cheesy. In the films, they also... It's always the good guys use Mac. And the bad guys use PCs. Oh, 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 no. Because, no, if, if you want to defeat an oh, yeah, invasion, you have to have a Mac. Mac. Yeah. No, no, well, no, you'd think IBM has got a little bit of a Mac. Well, no, 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 no. Independence Day, how do they take down aliens with an Apple Mac? You were talking about the, the names and how you come up with the names of the books. All right. So, kind of what comes first, the name or what? Ah. Oh. Or do you have lots of random names that lots of All right. For a lot of years, I, I suppose, in a way, what comes first is the deadline because the book's got to be handed in at a certain time. So that book has got to be finished by a certain time. So you have to kind of figure out how much time you've got. And then you... I probably spend more time thinking about a book before I start writing it than I ever do when I'm writing it. Because when you're writing it, you sit down and you write the chapter and then the next day you sit down and write the next chapter. I don't think you spend too much time thinking about it in between the chapters. You know, you get back into it when you do that. Before you do it... You the concept and then you kind of get into when you the write, world and then yes. you just When you've written chapter on. one, it's, it, which is the most difficult thing to do, you can get through chapter one, you can, the book should write itself, in theory. But it's, to get to actually the writing of the book, you do need a fair amount of stuff in your head. and you, You're always thinking, oh, that's quite interesting. That's when you read something and you go, oh, that's a good thing. Oh, somebody's invented that. Or you, know, or you visit a museum and there's something interesting in there. It's not impossible that there was a time of myth and magic and all these things and that changed, the ages have changed, and that those great heroes of old did all those wonderful things. It's not impossible that that really happened. That, but now we have technology where once we had magic, it's not impossible. That it was the case, you know. The more that science goes on, the more you think that there is other things that are undiscovered by science, which means the magic could possibly exist. Oh, yeah, I think I, my feelings are that the magic days have gone now. Yeah. You know, that they did exist, but I, I don't think you could get a decent spell going in this day and age. I really don't, you know. I mean, my theory... You have tried. <laughs> I have tried, yeah. It's, it's, mostly, it's mostly being mad. That's it? I think the first picture I ever saw of you on the back of a book was <laughs> yeah, Alistair Crowley stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, God. I was like, oh, I've never seen what this author looks like. What? Right! That was quite the struggle to explain <laughs> to the photographer what I wanted to show this picture, isn't it? I could take a picture of you like standing by the tree outside. But no, that's not really. No. What I want is that I made this silly hat. It's got a sprout off the front. I want to do very. Oh yeah. How about you go kind of side on? Not really. We're working together on this, are we? Why didn't you just show him the original picture that you were? Copying? I did. I did. I, I did. That. I did. But he thought we should move beyond that. But I said, but that was the concept I wanted for that book. But well, why we should move beyond that? 
And then he, he did that, so I said, right, well, I'm going to write, I don't know, well, give me, knock, knock me out a couple, couple of dozen of those. And he said, uh, well, I want £50 each for the prints. I said, no, no, there's a publicity photograph. So I said, oh, you know, what I basically want is a big pile of them. No, I, I, I have to charge for each. So I said, no, you're charging me a session fee. And then I, I said, no, I want some copies of them. I said, that, you're not going to do that, are you? I said, I'm going to take it up to the colour photocopier up the road, aren't I, and knock them out. No, I can't stop you doing that. Then we have a mobile phone. Yeah. Which we now we do a photo shoot in about 30 seconds on the mobile phone. <laughs> we got it down to three. We got it down to three pictures on the last one. I had to take three one. to get the, the third one was the perfect one. When I fell out with my publisher, I had my last <laughs> author photograph taken wearing a gas mask, which should symbolise that I didn't like the smell of things around here. <laughs> and uh, they let it slip through because they weren't aware that that's what it meant. And I said to her, Get, we get paid 400 quid for the author photo. I said, I want you to do it in at least 30 seconds. Right? I stand there and you go click, click, click. I said, and we earn the fastest 400 pounds on earth and we take the piss. But now, now funds have advanced, so when you press once, it actually takes 20 photos. It does bang them um, up, doesn't it? So uh, you can pick the best one from 20. Which one did you get? The number third one, was it? It was the third one. It was the third one, yeah, well done. Probably still on here somewhere. Money well cool That'll never happen again. <laughs> this one does like panoramic stuff. Oh, God, I oh. pay myself out of four. Oh, what, you go round with that? Yeah, you literally, you, you start to give. Oh, you but have you seen the failures? Like oh. Have you seen the, the, the panoramic failures? No, no, no. Oh, there's a, one of the like BuzzFeed or one of these websites, and because they, they don't always work. Yeah. And then you've got the giant dog that's like six foot yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's a whole series of them. You can look them up on the internet. No, because that, uh, we used well, look, to. Oh, sorry. I, I used to do it manually because I used to take my digital camera and I'd like, be stood down on the top of a hill going click, click, click. And I have to take Link it home. Link them up in Photoshop. Yeah, oh, well, it wasn't in Photoshop. I had a program. It, it, I can't remember what the program was called now, but it stitched all the photos together. By you had to kind of put the photos next to each other and choose reference points and say that is that in that photo. And then yeah. And, and, and they kind of have the wrong type of sun. It would take me like four hours to stitch a panorama <laughs> together. This does it in like three uh, seconds. It was Right, today, he just went, Ooh. I'll have a big long photo. It's great. It was quite cool because Mummy was set down having some dirt. We saw there these skiers. There were people on jet skis, yeah. I think, I think they were showing off. Through the boards on the pier. Oh, wow. Well, it makes exist here. I mean, it exists since Victorian times. They had the ones that do the group photographs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you did it at school and it used to go really slowly and you'd get the guy on one end and you'd run along and the back and you'd do that twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Urban myth. Never, never happened. No. Never happened. I've got the, one, the camera. I've got no, you haven't. You've never seen that picture. You believe it, as well as lots of other people believe you've seen that picture. It doesn't exist. The camera went and it never took that slow time, and nobody ever, ever did that. But everybody tells that story, unfortunately. Uh, it, it could have existed. Could have existed. It was a very fast person who could travel through time. I was going to say, we also enjoyed the website that had, what is it, the secret lives of inanimate objects. Oh, That's oh yeah, yeah, that is very funny. Very yeah. Drunk octopus wants to fight. Yeah, yeah, these, yes. these, <laughs> was this, this disdainful handbag disapproved of your fashion sense? <laughs> what was the coat, the, the, the coat hook that had a bad attitude about something or other? Yeah, there was a fighting. It was, it was, it was a fighting.
it's it coach was in. Drunk octopus wants to fight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Genius. They're very funny. The captions are very funny. We've got one we want to try this weekend. There's a new because uh, you know you had like planking and things as as oh, kind of memes. Oh, it's invadering. Yeah, invadering. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a invadering shot this weekend with her. Basically, they take pictures of people, so uh, one person stands going like that, the other person jumps up in the air like that, and they take the photo in the air, so it looks like they're being force choked. Oh, okay. Oh, No, I'm going to be force choked by the <laughs> yeah. That's but my you've job. you've seen pottering as well, which is where pottering. you get a broom and you jump up and you pretend to be Harry Potter on a broom and you take a photo just at that, you know. Pottering. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> can we try that? Yes, we can try that, darling. <laughs> Is everybody supposed to jump up at the same time? So there's lots of people on bruise. Well, then, yeah. then they Photoshop them so they're like over the sky and stuff. Oh. It's really very funny. You don't really have to jump up for that, do you? You can kind of tell them where we're going to find them. I did notice that. And the fact that the last time they saw you, you were wearing Gryffindor robes. You, you were the family, family potter, really. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and this woman sat in a cafe and made this up. And changed the world so. in Edinburgh. It's a world <laughs> genius, genius, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you could never put her down. I mean, she's absolute work of genius. I'll sit and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh so they go to wizard school, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. and the whole world goes, oh, that's so great. Mm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, what a work of genius. She's got her own section of Universal Studios Florida. Section again, or what? Universal Studios. The wizarding world of Harry Potter. It's as big as the entire of Marvel. If you think about how many people worked in Marvel, that has one section, and she has a bigger section on her own. Which is just crazy. Shouldn't there be Brentford World? I think there should. In websites, there wasn't a book there was. Though, right? yeah. <laughs> I've always done things on a rather small scale, you see, a more human scale. Well, human scale, but with world-altering consequences. Yes, yes, but you, you, all these years you never knew two geezers down the bottom in Brentford were constantly saving the world and nobody ever knew about it in Ely, alone in Chiswick. But that's what you love about it, that's what I was saying earlier about how now I imagine like seeing two people sat in a pub and going, what do they do when they're not here? <laughs> the problem, if there's any, well, there are a few, but the problem with writing those books is, of course, is that they've always got to be saved in the world. You know, if it were just having a laugh, it's going to fall short, doesn't it? But you I mean, you have to kind that of set the bar a bit high at the beginning. That's what they do in their kind of off times, is, you know, yeah. you know that in between books, they've just had months of sitting in the pub. I've written, written a couple of books that didn't involve saving the world, didn't I? But you can't name them. What, what, Brentford books? Oh, hang on, hang on, they, they didn't, it was not, uh, waiting for Goggleming and, and, and I wasn't, was fandom of the operator, it's not saving the world, is it? It's just about a bad man, isn't it, really? Yeah, okay, uh, Dardar Coat doesn't save the world. That's not saving the world. He no, just no, goes mad. Right. Oh, mate, yeah, it's a bad man, doesn't it? I'm a bit hampered by the fact that half the time I've been sucking. That does make life a little difficult. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'll have a problem writing the books, you know. Yeah. I have to interject a question at this point. Good, thank God for that. Oh, no, oh, come on, it's just fine, just talking. But I'm going to say, what, what, what drew you towards writing steampunk away from all of the kind of Brentford and oh, Armageddon and stuff? Oh, no, you should just interview me, I could give you all these. No, I've written, well, I'm going to interview you. To, uh, how, long, how many years ago was it, Richard? Six, seven years ago? Before no, I met it was you, way before you met yeah. me. It was 2000. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty much I, the I, first book. Way back in the 80s, I was with a guy who was going to direct my books for 
um, TV, and this was in the early 80s, because it never came off. And uh, he said to me, oh, you know, I want to do that, oh, I want to do documentaries and all that. And I said, oh, I said, do you want to do a documentary? I said, the most forgotten person of the 20th century is Nikola Tesla. I said, nobody's mm. done a, this was back in the 1980s. I said, nobody's done Way a documentary about it. You know, I said, he, she, you know, she, I said, what that guy, has he invented AC company, invented this, invented that? I said, and he was working on the wireless transmission of electricity. This yes. is an idea. This would have been the most incredible thing because then you could have like flying cars because they don't need heavy batteries. They draw the power out of the air. Yeah, the I said, just, yeah. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people attribute um, conventions uh, to other people who got it after Tesla, but Tesla didn't um, market it as well. Yeah. As, as oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, so, Absolutely. Well, we know all about Edison. So he never, anyway, he never, he never did this documentary, and it was always bubbling because Tesla was always from when I was a kid. When I first read a book about him, he was my hero, and I thought one day I'm going to write a book about Tesla. And when I came to write the um, the Witches of Chiswick, I imagined a Victorian world where two things had happened. One was that Babbage had got the difference engine into the Great Exhibition, which he never ever did. If he got the difference engine into the Great Exhibition. It's very possible that Victorians would have had computers by ten years later. The whole world would have changed, but he never did. They, they decided they didn't want it in the Great Exhibition. It was what was the point of that? You know. In my work, we have various houses. We have uh, Bell, Faraday, Bell, Faraday, Bell, Faraday, Bell, Faraday, Bell, Faraday, Bell, Token woman would be nice. Yeah, but all the slice of Babbage's brain is in the Science Museum. I mean, we, which is a bit odd, isn't it? Out of all these houses, one of my friends said it, it should be called Tesla, 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 Tesla. Tesla, Tesla. <laughs> well, I, I, so I set out to write a book where he gets a bit of good press. So in my Victorian book, which is a Chiswick, they built, you know, Tesla's got the go-ahead from the British government, they've built all these towers, they've got broadcasting electricity, they've got this, that and the next thing. And then, I was contacted through Peter Harrow and they said, oh, you've written this great steampunk book, you know, and the steampunks want to come, you know, you'd have come along to an event. And I went, like, what's a steampunk? <laughs> and then, I was told, well, it's people who dress up in beautiful Victorian clothes. I said, I've been doing that all my life, and, and but rather fearful to walk down the street. You mean a whole load of them get together dressed as Victorians? Yeah, but they're even better. They're science fiction Victorians. They like wear brass goggles and brass corsets. Oh God, yes, please. Can we? So we go along to Lincoln, and I said, Oh God, this is like the best thing. Look at all these cool people. This is wonderful. And then they gave me an award. They, they, because of the book, they made me the first fellow of the Victorian Steampunk Society. I went, oh, this can't get any better. And I said, right. I said, this is fantastic. I said, I'm going to go back to my publisher literally on Monday. And I, I said, I've got, oh, I, can, I can see a whole series of books here. I'm going to write some more Victorian books. I said, and I can use all this idea, you know, the idea. I said, this is absolutely fantastic. And I went and, and I said, look, I said, I've got an idea for at least three books. Publisher said, You've never had an idea for one book. You know, we've always had to trust you. You've got three. I said, No, honestly. I said, I, I can see how it all works. But she said, Oh, okay then. And I sat down and I started, I, I, I hadn't enjoyed myself as much for years because I was writing about what I love, Victorian times, and I'm writing Victorian kind of science fiction fantasy. 
And of course, and you hold all the reins. You can do what you like. It's a new Victorian era. They can have anything. They can have all this stuff. And monkey butlers. Monkey butlers. Monkey butlers, of course. Monkey butlers were a very important facet of all of this. We will have to be seeing monkey butlers this evening. You need a monkey butler. <laughs> Lean in a bit more, mate. Yes, shout louder, otherwise we won't hear you. You know you do Victorian steampunk. You could do like your futuristic books. What would you do if you ever did that futuristic? I don't know. I've I've never I've never gone that far into the future. I really haven't been my books. I've always thought written about the present and the past. Um, I don't know, I have a written book about the future. Website story is set in the future. Website story was set in the future. Armageddon oh, yeah. is set in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did do a series that was set after there had been an atomic war, and that was set in the future, yeah. In one of these books, everybody's in a bunker and they're all hiding underground, and they have All they do is watch telly. Day after day. And they watch TV, and they watch TV, and their brains rot. And that's what's going to happen to you when you watch TV. Oh, a bit of a profit there. <laughs> I'm glad you think about that because that's what I thought about when I was your age. Yeah, it, it, it could happen. So what somebody's got to do, I mean, I know this is all terribly cliche, but what somebody's got to do, they've got to come up with a new source of energy. They've got to come up with some very clever source of energy, which isn't the internal combustion engine, and works from some tiny little power cell, something or other. And then you can do all these fantastic things which we can't do. This is what they've been doing we live in Dinkop, which is kind of in the science area of Oxford. Is it? Um, we have, like, five miles away, um, the um, Hadron... No, it's not a Hadron collider. It's, it's, it's a particle yeah, accelerator, but it's a diamond light source. Collider. Fusion, fusion so uh, what they have is uh, 12 meter high magnets. Um, they recreate the... I think I've moved a bit down south. To go to sleep. I've moved out of the range of the explosion, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then down the road, you've got one of these sort of like particle accelerator things as well. And, and yeah, if anywhere's going to blow up, it's going to be my house. They thought. Didn't they think when that they turned on the Large Hadron Collider that there was a very chance it was going to blow up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we always come up with one more really good idea that can like wipe us off the face of the earth. So, Didn't you say so I, I, I'd move, actually. When they uh, turned on the first nuclear power plant in Britain, and the Queen came and turned it on, I did know, no, 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 it started up, and it all, the electric bulb, light bulb lit up with this power. And then somebody said, well, is that for real? No, nah, it's been running for three days. We couldn't risk <laughs> oh. the Queen turning it on. But they'd already, they'd run that had a couple of weeks before they officially yeah. turned it on, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Just to see if it worked. Yeah. yeah, or the Queen. Can't blow the Queen up. You were saying about being appointed first fellow of the Victorian uh, Steampunk Society, and you got another accolade fairly recently. What, what was it you were appointed in the Galactic Knights? Oh, yes, I'm a senator of the Galactic Knights. <laughs> senator? Absolutely wonderful. I don't know exactly what this power. <laughs> how, how I can misuse What can you do with it? Force choking, obviously. Is that, can senators do that? Um, 
I, I, I do like the collective mass. They, they don't... They, well, okay, they take themselves seriously, but they also don't take themselves seriously. They know that they're not really galactic knights, and they have a good time. You see a lot like of outtakes of them booing yeah, around. They, they have great fun. And when... Uh, I don't know how it worked. I think, I think I've met a few of them, and I've talked to them. And then when we got the gig of doing the um, award ceremony... I don't know how it came about. You just phoned them up or emailed them or something. I think it was, yeah. Like I said them. to them, would you be interested in kind of like marching me on at the beginning of the it's show? The and, they, and they went, oh, we could all like come on and we marched down the thing. God, and they, they said, yeah, we'd love that. What I wanted to do on the second or third year was I wanted them to carry her on on a big kind of shoulder high panicking thing, you know, where she would sort of throw grapes out and all that stuff. And it kind of didn't come off for some reason. You weren't keen on being lifted up in the air, I think. You were afraid they were going to drop you. No, you decided that I had to hold the, the hem of your raiment. That's because I, I bought that. Uh, yeah, I bought that. You can that see it on YouTube. Thing. Yes, I bought the wonderful um, kimono. But no, they're, they're actually a bunch of really nice people. And, and of course, the other thing is, you mostly only see them in their uniforms, and then afterwards they come up and go, oh, nice one, Robert. And go, who's that? Who was that? Who was that? Oh, that was Darth Vader. I'm right, so, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think I could only maybe recognise three of them. Yeah. And some of them are girls. Yes, they are indeed. Yes, they you are. can't yeah, tell yeah, them yeah, to be yeah, armour. Yeah. No, they're absolutely. See, that is a perfect choice. Yeah. All these things, I mean, doing all this stuff, I've done great perkins. The, the other one was the uh, judging the air guitar <laughs> championships. How was that? Well, that was a friend of ours, Gaz, who, who couldn't come, but he said, I know this guy, but he'd like to come. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. It was such fun. And that also was done with charm and, and a lot of humour. And, and, the, and they, were, they were nice, weren't they? Yeah, the people who went in for it were having a fun time, even though one or two of them weren't, they were desperate to win because you get chucked to Finland. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, that's, and you get to kind of play in front of, you know, the world audience. <laughs> play in inverted yeah. commas, of course. Oh, yeah. I, 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 consider myself, I, I, I consider myself a semi-professional air guitarist. After the amount I used to DJ and dance in rock clubs, I think you I was semi-professional. I, as I was watching Next it, year. I thought I could see myself putting together an act and maybe going in for that guy. I think you're missing a few Pete Townsend windmills here. A bit of this. Although when I was like, oh, they should play it behind the back of that moment, well, I did play it behind the back. <laughs> oh, okay, you got that one. Um, they, it, was, it was a really, I mean, we, you know, we, we just had an incredibly fun evening, you know. And it was, it was very interesting because there was two of us, Andrew O'Neill and myself, and then there was the guy who was there every year. And basically his job is to keep it, the third judge, is to keep it under control. So basically, no matter how much Andrew and I were to vote, he could vote it up and down depending on his vote. And when I suddenly became aware of that, I thought, oh God, he's controlling it, this guy. You know, it doesn't matter what we vote, he can vote it down or vote it up depending on what we vote. And it finally got to the last one and it was going to be voted two for one. I thought, we've got him. We've finally got him. We can control this. And it was you who said, that guy should win, and uh, there was a whole load of reasons he why he should win. And you were absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely he right. played from the heart. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other guy was a lot showier. And he was. They were, quite, they were all good. Though. They were all good. I mean, but I, the other thing was, Andrew and I wanted to vote the woman to win. You know, we wanted the first woman air guitarist yeah, to go over the city. But, but, but we hadn't at that time discovered how he was voting us out. It was right. too late because he'd already voted her out. And we, I mean, oh, bugger. <laughs> 
Okay, a couple of other random things that we normally do on a podcast is we, we're compiling uh, a list of the Nerd vs. World list of films that everybody has to see. Alright. And we ask everybody who comes on the show to contribute five films. Oh, that's not that difficult. What, my five favourite movies? Well, it, it's kind of, well, it's either your five favourite or just five films you think everybody should watch. Oh, well, okay, okay, okay. Well, alright, I've got a couple of favourites. Which are my, yeah, my absolute favourites, which is Todd Browning's Freaks and Fritz um, Hang's Metropolis. Two of my favourite all time movies. The movie that everyone should see is the New Zealand movie. It's it working? Yeah, it's still going, yeah. Right. The New Zealand movie Once Were Warriors. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yes, I have, yeah. yeah. That should be shown in all schools as part of the curriculum. An incredibly pretty moving movie which is, really is what it's like to be a Maori in New Zealand which is the most beautiful country on earth but a bit tough for the Maoris. So that's three. What else would I have? Hello? You want to have one? Mick Max. Oh, oh! Oh! Big Fish. Oh! Big Fish is amazing. Oh! Now have you seen Mick Max? I haven't seen Mick Max. No. I haven't seen Big Fish. Most people haven't. It is, it is a French widescreen movie and it is you come out of that movie and you go do you know what I'm a better human being for having seen that film now how often does that happen not, not you, very you, often I hadn't even heard of it when you took me to you see that you feel like your soul has been washed it's such a beautiful movie you feel laundered inside it's it should be brought back every directed. six months and put in every cinema in England it was written by directed by the same guy that did Delicatessen yeah oh right okay yeah yeah I don't know his name we won't spoil it for you by telling you too much of the plot. Okay. Big Fish because it's basically the story of my dad. So that makes me cry at the end. Big Fish is a fantastic um, Lovely movie. What else have we got? We always weep like babies when we watch that film. We do weep a lot when we see Big Fish. Thank you. That's your five though, isn't is it? That, is that five? I don't know, it might be. And obviously Terminator. I was going to say Okay, so no, I wouldn't go for Terminator, Terminator actually. I, I, I wanted to go for a kind of a science fiction movie that I thought was a work of genius and had so many memorable lines in it. It was just seemed to be built to be remembered. It's Predator. Oh, yeah. If you think about how old that film is, well, I know, and then you think yeah. of it was an original. Was it 1986. It's Predator? a long, yeah, it's a long time ago. You've got Stan Winston's fantastic mm. creature, and you also have this thing. Nobody had done that film before. A bunch of guys go out into the jungle. They're all a bunch of like bunglers. They go out into the jungle, and there in the jungle is this hunter from another planet who's hunting for, for trophies, and he's got a device that makes him invisible. He's got this great technology, and it's got Arnie in it. <laughs> Arnie at the peak of his performance. It was a work and it's got all these lines. Grab to the chopper. And you of know, course, the minigun. It's got the General Electric <laughs> minigun. The first time I think it's ever shown. It's just funny. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. You've got time to die. It's just a wonderful movie from beginning to end. It yeah. is great. Great. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I think it's a little more, a little gem. Yeah. <laughs> And they shouldn't have made two, three, four. Oh, Predators. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Alien vs. Predator. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was my worst one. I hated that film. Oh. The only character that you cared about in the film was the guy who had a family. 
And it was like, oh, we kind of cared for him. Oh, he's dead. Like, well, he was going where we really cared about. Oh, but no, he didn't die. Look, he's alive again. And they killed him again. Like, right, so the only character I cared about, you killed him twice. Thanks. <laughs> We're at the uh, Olympics opening song when he was. Yes. <laughs> no, not the oh. Unfortunately, um, Danny had it all. My friend, your my, friend my Dan, good yeah. mate, Dan. Oh, yeah. My mate Danny Royal had it all worked out with the camera angles, and it was all going to be shot like a film. It was the whole thing was filming. And then the BBC marched in the Monday before the thing on the Friday and said, right, we're taking it over and we're going to do all our own camera angles. And he went mental. Well, he didn't go mental because he's a very calm and controlled guy. And he couldn't negotiate back the right to So basically it's a Kenneth movie. So um, we were basically edited out the whole Notting Hill section. Oh, with no. costumes, the steel band. How many weeks of rehearsals? And then the I whole section is not shown at all. Because wasn't there something about the commentary where they went, oh yeah, and this is the steampunk bit? Oh, uh, the commentary was added by Hugh Edwards, and Danny, that was one thing he did negotiate, was you had the red button option to turn it off, so it was just the show with the music. But he did sit down with Hugh Edwards and kind of um, try and explain to him what it was about to get his vision across. But the point is that the Victorian bit that we were in, um, the bit that was called Pandemonium. It was just they just showed Kenneth Branagh the whole time. Instead of showing all the other things that were going on, they just showed the, the Brunel bit. Well, you were in the, the Victorian through. bit. You were in we the 1950s. No, we were in the Victorian bit. We were in Pandemonium. We were the, in the Industrial Revolution part at the end of that. So, did Windrush <laughs> come over in Victorian times? No, it came over in 1948. That's not that impression. Yeah, but we were in that section of oh, the right. opening ceremony. It was a historical parade. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. History. We were history. Yeah. Well, you are. And there was the NHS and the other bit. Yeah. Oh, yes. And the NHS got a big old view in there. They got well, dancing there, on the beds. There section. There was a 20 minute section. Ours was a 20 minute section. I think he did the right thing, didn't he? I mean, he didn't try and do China. You know, he, he did a he sort of stage show, it was like a musical. I mean, what he did was fun to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. I could have done without what seemed an interminable about the kind of top of the box stuff. It just started off and then he did a whole load of sort of projection things of well, that singing and dancing. Well, that was section about the future of technology and all of that. It was twat, dizzy rascal or something. Yeah. Who was the one he... It was one of them who was his mate. What was his name? It wasn't Dizzy Rascal, was yeah, it? Dizzy it Rascal was, was it? it? Yeah. yeah. I didn't think he deserved quite such a big part. But you've got to remember, this was, this was designed not for a British audience, it was designed for an international audience, which is why it had to have all the things in it that yeah. foreign people would recognise about Britain. And of course, a big part of that is our contemporary culture, which involves people like Dizzy Rascal. I'd like a little bit more of that Mars bars myself. You know, a little bit about Mars, Mars bars and home fried flour, you know, <laughs> there's certain matter. things which really matter to me. There was a lot of people who thought that Iron Maiden should have been included as well. Who? Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah, I'd go along with Iron Maiden, I think that's quite good. I mean, we did have the King's Play, and yeah, I think, well that was at the closing ceremony, the King's Play. Yeah, yeah, there was some in the opening and there was some in the closing. Yeah. Got Doctor Who in there. Mm. Did you notice the Doctor Who? I would have just done the whole thing as Harry Potter from beginning to end. Really. Just acted out one or two of the books. Yeah, the big old Harry Potter. Gun there. Oh, George. JK was there. She was, yeah. Was it, was, did, 
anyone from Queen do it? Is it Brian May? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. yeah. John Deacon, yeah. Because I, I read randomly, did you, were you at university? We were Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury, yeah. Really? Yeah. Tell us some stories about yeah. Freddie. So, uh, it, it so my, my parents were huge Queen fans. I'm a huge Queen fan. My middle name is Frederick because uh, of that. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. really, really. Uh, my mum well, was pregnant yeah, yeah. when yeah. I went to see Unfortunately, so therefore your middle name should have been Frederick. <laughs> <Yeah>, indeed. <laughs> well, it was Freddie, but I mean, I, I say I'm, I was very lucky because I was at, at college with him and also with Alan Lee, the guy who's in. Lord of the Ring illustrations, yep. who inspired Peter Jackson, he was, you know, and he won the Oscar. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I mean, I was, I was a gosh, pretty cool people. Well, <laughs> didn't, didn't you have a, an incident with Freddie and a cup of coffee? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds worth hearing. <laughs> I met him by spilling coffee down his trousers. Hang on, his white satin trousers. His white satin trousers. Is that why he has to wear such tight trousers? What do you think? <laughs> I think I inspired him to sing quite <laughs> Sing that noise again out of his mouth. Oh, yeah, 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 Nothing like a hot cup of coffee in the... <laughs> and didn't you used to play chess cup. with him? Oh, we got into... I don't know why we got into chess. We got into a lot of things at college. It was, remember, it was 1967 onwards, so it was pretty good stuff to be at art school. And uh, so where was that? Ealing, Ealing School of Art. Yeah, yeah. It's now Thames Valley University, whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, it was a very cool place to be. And uh, there wasn't that much dope. There really wasn't. I mean, it, it, but it was an awful lot of having fun. But we got into this thing, I don't know who started it, about playing chess in all the spare times, or we'd play chess, or we'd play chess for money. And this thing built up, built up. And my dad, had, my dad had said to me, oh, you know, you can cheat at any game. I said, you can't cheat at chess, can you? He said, well, you sort of can. You, you can sort of like cause enough confusion with your partner that he doesn't quite know what you've got up to and think and you know you can move other pieces about or because you're looking at I said well that sounds a little unlikely to me except I finally beat Freddie Mercury at chess and it cost him I think about three quid and I had both my bishops on the white squares and he didn't notice <laughs> it was a, I was very proud of that but he got the money back because he used to have a stall in Kensington Market and he used to sell stuff for us. We used to do these sort of Robert Crumb plaques. You know, the, the artist called Robert Crumb was big. Many, many years ago. We used to do these sort of wall plaque things. And Freddie used to sell them. And he, he owed us he owed us about three and a half quid, which would seem to be money in those days. And we went to pick up the money. Where's Freddie's stall gone? No, he hasn't got a stall anymore. Why hasn't he got a stall anymore? Oh, he's trying to make it in the music industry. Oh, he's never going to make it in the music industry. <laughs> We've seen his band play his rubbish. <laughs> He owes me three quid. <laughs> and I was also, I was in the room, and it just tickles me to death. I was in the room when, he was, when the band was named Queen, right? Because we were sitting around and he was saying, oh, I need a really good name for the band. I need a good band. I was sitting coming out with a load of stupid names. And this girl, Josephine, came up. She was very, very posh, very, very laid back. She said, what are you doing? I said, we're choosing a name for Freddie's band. He wants a good name for his band. She said, are you the lead singer, Freddie? And he said, yes. She said, well, Freddie, you'll have to call it Queen then, won't you, darling? And he did. And then we had the college reunion. I said, do you remember, Josephine? You named that band. She said, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> One, 
And he was, he wasn't. He really was. There's no other people say, oh yeah, no, he wasn't certain about his sexuality. No, he was. I think he was you know, very he certain. He was the gayest man I've ever met. <laughs> he was very, very certain. Yeah, he was absolutely certain. Did he get no, he had a very, very close um, girlfriend, and he was his best friend for years and years. I mean, the truth is that he she led... was his best friend. Huh? She was his best friend. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a very interesting documentary that was on recently. I don't know if you saw it. It's a Freddie Mercury documentary. I, I didn't make you watch it because I know you're not a fan of Queen. But... No, I saw it. Did you see it all? No, okay. The bitterness at the college reunion 20 years later was unbelievable. The spite from people. And, and this guy, Colin Hughes, I put him on there, Colin Hughes, he said, uh, oh, well, he, he, he was a queer, the music was derivative, and he got what was coming to him. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus. I said, God, I said, I mean, you know, the world is not such a good place. Now it doesn't have Freddie Mercury in it. I said, he, you know, he was a, a consummate entertainment. I said, you know, who gives a damn about what happened off stage? Because quite frankly, what Freddie did off stage, he even said was boring. He was only really alive when he was on stage yeah. in front of 200,000 people. He was, know, the greatest he was a very on ordinary he person when he wasn't on stage and a very shy self-effacing but you would never have thought if I had to pick out of all the people I went to college with who was going to be a star I wouldn't have picked him he was too shy he was too you know in, you know he'd sit in the corner you know you never have guessed that man would play in front of millions of people and be a superstar you wouldn't have guessed that you know uh, I, I mean I, I, I looking back now feel honoured that I was in the same room for a couple of years with him you know and, you know, I met a famous person before they were famous. I'm absolutely chuffed. Same as Alan Lee. Of course, I admire Alan Lee more because he's a fantastic artist. And I didn't have to copy him <laughs> mercilessly. But I couldn't do. I couldn't figure out how he did it. You know, call it an inspiration, don't you? Know, it was a homage. <laughs> This man has fed me too much alcohol. I, I, I do apologise. No, 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 no. Thank you. But thank you very much. And there you have it folks, so all that remains is to say thank you once again to Robert and Ray Gunn for giving up a couple of hours of their Saturday evening to come and talk to us, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. <laughs>